Hey, good morning, Abundant Life. How are you guys doing today, huh? Good, good to see you, good to see you. I've got a question for you. How many of you agree with me that when relationships are good, life is great? Yeah, and when relationships are bad, life stinks, right? It's just horrible, it's horrible. We're in this series on relationships, and uh, this series really applies to relationships literally across the board. Your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with God, your relationship with, with your friends, your relationship to yourself. All of these principles that we're looking at apply to all of these areas. And so I'm just praying that as you listen to the messages from week to week, that you'll take it and you'll just allow God to allow it to penetrate your heart in the area of the relationships where you need to grow and develop the most. Relationships are so important to us at Abundant Life, and they're important to God, and so much about God's Word is about relationships. One of the things we do here at Abundant Life Church is have life groups, and the reason we have these groups is because we know, we know that relationships are so important because if you just show up on Sunday morning on the weekend, and that's the sum total of your experience at Abundant Life, you're going to have a hard time getting connected to people around here. And we want you to get connected. We've got great people in this church. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to find yourself in a life group. And so I just encourage you as we begin now even rolling out and planning for our fall season of life groups that, that you'll get in a group. Now, this is going to be a great season for us because I'm going to be doing a teaching called All In. And it's on the life of Abraham. And it's about how lessons we can learn from Abraham about how to be all in. And we even have produced our own video. Video series. And, and so you don't want to miss this. And so it would be a great time to actually host a group. It's so easy. It's so easy. All you do is like you play a DVD and talk a little bit about it. Plus you get to watch me every week. Okay. And uh, I mean, how cool is that, right? <laughs> and so I hope that you will get in a group and, and I hope you'll host a group. So on your connection card, you see a place where you can indicate your desire to host a group. It could be in your home. It could be in a coffee shop. It could be in a number of different places. But let me challenge you. Let me challenge you to do that. Okay. So in this series on relationships, and relationships are so important. They're so important for a number of reasons. One of those reasons is relationships will oftentimes determine your happiness in life. They determine whether or not you're going to be happy in life because, again, like you just mentioned a moment ago, like you agree with me, when relationships are good, life is great. But if relationships are bad, then life stinks. It's just hard. And you would agree that the source of the greatest pleasure that you have in life is relationships, right? But on the other hand, the source of the greatest frustration and the greatest pain that you experience in life is what? It's relationships, right? And so relationships many times determine your happiness in life. In fact, psychologists tell us that many of the emotional problems that people wrestle with in life are rooted in relational issues. And so relationships determine your happiness. They not only determine your happiness, but they also determine your success. Your success in life, people skills, okay? The American Management Association talks about how on the job, what's really important is your people skills. In fact, 
your success is, is like 87% determined by your ability to get along with people and only 13% product knowledge. And so how many of you actually have a job? Raise your hand if you have a job. How many of you work with people? Yeah. How many of you have discovered people are hard to work with? And, and so they are. They're tough. They're just hard to work with. Not you, of course, but other people are just so hard. And so your success is determined by your ability to work with people. And so relationships determine uh, many times their success in life. And then relationships oftentimes are, they serve to develop a character. They develop a character. They are developing you into the person that you're becoming, whether you realize that or not. What I read, I read this over and over. I hear it from speakers, from authors over and over that you and I become the average of the five people that we most hang out with. The average of the five people that we you know, tend to do most of our life with. So think about who are the five people that you do a lot of your life with. And you'll, you'll kind of become an average of those people. The Bible talks about how you know, bad company corrupts good character. I, I read all the time that you know, you're going to become who you are five years from now based upon two factors. You know what those two factors are? The books you read and the people that you associate with. And so your relationships play so much into the development of your character and the kind of person that you're becoming, that you're growing into. And so this is a series about relationships and specifically about loving relationships. Because what we learned last week as we started in this series that's based on 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter in the Bible, that, that if we don't have love, then we're missing the boat when it comes to following Jesus. And I introduced a verse to you last week out of Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. I want you to read this with me. Find it there in your life notes that have come up on the screen. Let's read Galatians 5, 6 together. If you are a follower of Christ Jesus, all that matters is your faith that makes you love others. Paul says all that matters is it's your faith that, that makes you love other people. That's how important love is relative to your faith. He says it's all that matters. And so we started down through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And we talked about how if, if we don't have love, then, then all of my words, they don't matter. Anything you say, anything you say doesn't matter if you don't have, if you don't have love. All you know doesn't matter. You can be a, a walking Bible encyclopedia, and all you know, it doesn't matter, Paul says, if you don't have love. And he says, all I believe, everything you believe, it doesn't matter if you don't have love. Everything you give, he says, it doesn't matter unless you have love. Everything you accomplish in life, whatever degrees, whatever, you, you know, you can build a billion-dollar business. If you don't have love, he says, it doesn't matter. Love is that important. It's that important. And so we describe them, you know, what is love? Because it's hard to define and so what is love? How would you define love? And we looked at several Bible verses and we saw how love, first off, it's, it's a command. And so God commands us to love. And, and so people kind of get hung up on this because they say, well, how could God command me to love people? Because you can't command feelings. And that's right, because love is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. Now, love elicits emotions. It produces feelings and emotions, but it's not an emotion. It's a command. 
and says, I command you to love people. That's a pretty tall order, isn't it? And then we discover, too, that love is a choice. It's a choice that you and I make. Every day, we make the choice, we make the decision if we're going to be loving or if we're going to be unloving. But it's a choice that we make. We make I make a choice every day if I'm going to love my spouse or if I'm not going to be loving toward her. I make a choice. It's a conduct, God says. He says, love is a conduct. In other words, it's, a, it's your action. He says, if you, if you say that you follow me, then really show it by your actions. How many of you have read Bob Goff's book, Love Does? Probably a bunch of you have because, you know, he spoke here a few years ago and a fantastic guy, great person. Um, it just exemplifies love. And if you haven't read his book, Love Does, I would encourage you to go pick it up. It's a fantastic book, crazy person, crazy stories in there, but Love Does. And, and, and so love is an action. It's a conduct. And then love is a commitment. It's a commitment. Sometimes people say they love one another, but their love runs out when people don't live up to certain expectations. Well, that's not love. That's, that's probably, you know, flexibility at best, you know. And, and, so, and so love, love loves, period. Love never says, I'll love you if, or I'll, I'll love you when. It, it, you know, love is, I, I love you, period. And, and so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a commitment that we make. It doesn't kind of come and go depending on how circumstances are. And so then we talked about, okay, how do you do this? How do you actually become a loving person? How do you, you know, just do it? How do, you, how do you do that? Well, the first thing is you and I have to acknowledge the fact that we have room to grow when it comes to loving. And most of you raised your hand and, and you agreed that you have room to be a more loving person. You have room to do that. And then we talked about how just start every day, begin every day in a loving way to your spouse. And, and, and to the people in your home. Just start there. Memorize what God says about love. And a lot of you say, well, I, you know, I haven't memorized too many verses about love. And that's okay because I'm giving you a hundred verses, man. I'm telling you, I'm giving you so many verses about love as we go through this. And I just encourage you to take one. Just pick one in each message and commit it to memory. So that when you find yourself in a situation where you're tempted to be unloving, that, that you'll, you'll recall that verse and, and you allow that verse to change you and you act loving instead of unloving towards someone. So memorize that. Then practice loving. Practice loving. Practice, practice, practice loving. If you want to be better at loving, practice it. Okay? How do you do that? Well, I gave you lots of ways, but one of them was just start saying, I love you. I love you. Okay? I love you. How many of you did that this past week? How many of you took that challenge and you, you tried to be really intentional? Okay, good, like eight of you. That's fantastic. That's awesome. I love it. Way to go. I love the rest of you anyway. But you're slackers, okay? Come on. Now, I, I'm sure more of you did than just raise your hand. But for those of you who practiced this this past week, did you find that to be just maybe a little bit challenging to actually say, I love you? You know, as opposed to love ya, love ya, love ya. <laughs> I love you. I love you. Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, I love you. <laughs> I, you. You look at me. There you go. I love you. Yes. I love you. And so just practice it. Okay. And then surround yourself with loving people. Surround yourself with loving people. Okay. And so that's all of what we talked about last week. Now, this week, we're going to go into a, a 
description, we're going to begin a description of what love is. And so where do you think Paul starts? Well, you've already seen it in your life notes. Love is patient. Love is patience. So, oh my gosh, why start with patience? Why start with patience? First Corinthians 13, 4, read this with me. Love is patient. Love is patient. I read a story about a guy whose car stalled out, and so he's stuck there, on, like, not quite off the road, and, and, and so he gets out and he pops up his, his hood, and he's you know, tinkering around trying to figure it out. And the guy behind him is constantly just blowing his horn, just constantly laying on his horn. After a few minutes, the guy walks back to the guy and says, I'm sorry, but I cannot seem to get my car started. If you would go up there and see if you can get it started, I'll gladly blow, the, blow your horn for you. <laughs> you ever want to do that? You know? Don't you, don't you just get so frustrated with people who just honk at you? I mean, you make an honest mistake. Or, you know, you make some driving error and people just have to honk on the horn. I know because I, I'm the honker from, and, I, and I, I won't even tell you one story. I mean, it's so embarrassing. This happened about two years ago. And I kid you not, I probably I shouldn't even tell you this. I probably laid on the horn for about a mile. I kid you not, I was so ticked off. I was so angry and I lost it. I lost it. I lost and I said, George, you are an absolute fool. <laughs> to, to, I'm telling you the story. I told you when you're going to tell you. But, but anyway, the, which, and, and to beat the whole thing, we're headed toward the church. And I'm thinking, crap, they're probably going to end up pulling into the church parking lot. <laughs> and so I, I, I drove by the, the entrance <laughs> up to Foster Road and wait, hung around for a while. You know, I can't let this person know that I'm pulling into a church party. I had to ask God to forgive me. God, I am so sorry. You're an absolute idiot. You're an absolute idiot. I mean, I, just, I lost it. I totally lost it. Now, as, as you know, I'll ask you guys, you know, do you find it hard sometimes to be patient? And, and I'm sure you do. But where? Where do you have trouble being patient? For me, it's on the highway. It's driving. And I'm getting better. In fact, so many, I mean, I, probably just this week, I bet I had, God gave me lots of opportunities to honk at people. <laughs> and, and, and I didn't. And, and, and my wife said, had that been me, somebody would have honked at me. Somebody would have honked at me. And, and she was right. She, people are all the time honking at her. <laughs> I, I, I wonder why. I wonder why. And so, so, you know, patience, love is patient. Why patience? Why does God start with patience? Love is patient. Why start with patience? I think it's because he spent thousands of years being patient with people. He's so patient with people. And, and we're going to see that. And so what is it? What's patience? You actually, in the Bible, there are three words, of three Greek words that actually define what patience is. And one of those words is aneko. Everybody say aneko. Aneko. And, and what that means, it means to hold back from retaliating when somebody does something to offend you, okay, you hold back that. And the, the Bible will oftentimes translate the word aneko with the word forbearance. Okay, it's forbearance. You bear up under, you know, something and, and you hold back retaliating. The, the next word is hupomone. Hupomone. Everybody say hupomone. Hupomone. And, and the word hupomone is an interesting word because it means to don't lose heart under great trials. You know, life is hard, life is difficult, things are not going your way. 
and you want to give up, you want to throw in the towel. This is the word there, and it, it's often translated endurance. You know, hang in there, don't give up, don't walk away, don't throw in the towel kind of a thing. And then there's macrothumi. Everybody say macrothumi. Macrothumi. And this word here, it means to be slow to wrath. Don't get angered easily. Don't get angered too quickly. Slow, slow to wrath. And the, the word in the Bible is oftentimes long-suffering. In other words, you suffer long with people. Are any of you having to suffer a long time with somebody right now in your life? Long suffering. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And that's, that's, that's the word that Paul uses here when he talks about how love is patient. He says, you got to be long suffering. The word also means to be a long time to boil. Long time to boil. You know, you ever boil eggs, you know, it takes the water forever. You know, come on, come on, come on, you know, and it's a long time to boil. You ever, you know, use the phrase, you know, you got to be careful around him because, you know, he's got a really short fuse. Well, the, the, so the opposite of that is, you know, long suffering. And, and so patience has a really, really long fuse. I felt good before I walked up to, to speak in the first service because I'm sitting over here and my wife was in the first service and she looked at the notion that your love is patient. She says, oh, wow, that's a good topic for you. And, and, and uh, I said, what do you, what do you mean? And, and she said, uh, he said, because you're a really patient person. I said, oh, thank you. No, she did. She did, really, seriously, she did. She said, you're a really patient person. And I didn't used to be. I, seriously, I used to have a pretty big, big anger issue. And, um, and, and I, I don't as much anymore. I come unglued every so often. But, but, you know, anymore, I stuff it all down, and then it all blows up at one time. <laughs> and so, so why do we need patience? Why do we even need patience in our life? I guarantee you that when you leave church here today, you're not going to go long into the day before you're going to find yourself in a situation where you can observe whether or not a person was patient or impatient, right? You're not going to go far. Uh, in fact, a lot of you are going to find yourselves in a situation uh, when you leave here today where, you know, you're going to be having to make a choice. Am I going to be patient or am I going to be impatient? In fact, every Sunday we give you an opportunity. Okay, we sit around in staff meeting and we try to think, what can we do to help our people be more loving, to help them be more patient? And so we came up with the idea, let's stick a bunch of cones in the church parking, parking lot, okay? And let's make them follow the rules. So let's make them follow the cones in order to get out of here, okay? We do that on purpose, okay, so that we can tick you off and so that we can, so that we can help you become a more loving person, Okay. Now, it's not a big, as big of a deal this time of the year, but when we get into, you know, September and October when there's a lot of people coming and everybody's trying to go, you know, get out of here, you know, we force some of you to go out and go left on Hemmick Road when you, you know, I don't live left, I live right. And so what do you do? You run over the cones. <laughs> you flip off the parking attendants and stuff like that. So we're trying to help you. We're just trying to, it's, it's for your good, okay? And I, I talked to a guy just yesterday, I kid you not, just yesterday, he left church last week and he said he ran out of gas. As soon as he turned on the Hemrick Road, headed toward Foster, he ran out of gas right after he got onto the road. And so now cars are having to go around him. And he says, you know what? He was so impressed. He said, the first four cars uh, that came out of the Abundant Life parking lot, uh, every one of them kind of stopped and said, hey, are you okay? Can I help you? 
Isn't that awesome? But the fifth car, <laughs> guess what they did? They, no, they didn't honk. It was worse than that. I wish it had been just honk. No, they waved with one finger. They flipped. They flipped. And so, but I got to thinking, hey, one out of five, that's not bad. Okay. <laughs> you know, unless you're the one. Okay. And so, and, and so why do we need patience? Because, well, here's why. There's lots of reasons, but here's number one, because problems are inevitable. They're inevitable. You're going to have problems in life. And, and problems mean you got to be patient. You've got to be patient. You know, I, I've told you before that whenever I speak on a topic, I always have to deal with it. It just rarely ever fails. And so what am I talking about this week? Patience, right? Guess what happens to me like around Sunday? My computer crashed before going into the week. And I had a really busy week this past week. A lot of stuff I had to get done. And my computer crashed, and so I'm like two days without a computer, and I'm having to use somebody else's computer and trying to figure it out and work with it. It was so frustrating, but I was so proud of myself. I didn't throw my computer. I didn't kick it or any of that stuff. I just, hey, you know, it'll get fixed. And in the long run, I got a better computer out of the deal, and it was cool. About, about two months ago, I uh, was leaving to uh, come over to the office. Uh, bless you, I was in the, in the uh, in the garage, 6 a.m. I was leaving, and I forgot something in the house. Maybe I told you this story, but somehow or another, I left my thumb in the car door, in, in, the, in, the, in the way you close the door. And I closed the door on my thumb, and that hurt. It hurt so bad. Oh, my gosh. I mean, look. Come here. Look. Look at this. See that? You might. It was all black and blue, and... and um, I was crying on the way to church, and it, but I, again, I was so proud of myself because I didn't even cuss. I didn't even, I didn't say a bad word. I'm, I, I haven't said, I swear I didn't, but I didn't. I, I didn't say a bad word, and I felt so good about myself, but that hurt like crazy, and, and now it's, it's starting to get better to where it's like growing out to where it's two-thirds of the way across being completely grown back, but it's hanging on by a thread on both sides, and so every time I go to pick my hand in my pocket, it peels the thumbnail back. And so like just this morning before coming to church, I clipped it off again. So it shortened up just a little bit. So I'd quit hanging my finger nail on, on that. And so, but I have to be patient with this. It's just life. It's life. I mean, problems are inevitable and you're going to have them. All God's children, we have problems. And so what does Paul say? Be patient. Be patient in trouble. And, and prayerful always. Now, I think he's probably talking about more than computers and thumbnails. Okay? A lot deeper problems in life that are just going to happen. And he says, just be, be patient in these things. Here's number two. God's plan is not always visible. The reason we need to be patient is because God's plan, it just isn't always visible. You can't see what he's up to. You, you don't know what he's doing. And we wonder, you know, God, why don't you answer this? Or why do you let these kinds of things happen? Or when are you going to respond to this? And we don't see him at work and we wonder, you know, what's going on? And, and I can only believe that many times God doesn't answer right away is because he wants to create in us this patience to learn to depend upon him and learn to trust him. But he just doesn't answer very quickly sometimes. And we, we pray and we think, you know, we're going to get an answer by the next morning. And sometimes it's a week. Sometimes it's a month. Sometimes it's a year. 
Sometimes it's several years. How many of you right now, you've been praying for something probably more than a year and you're still kind of waiting to see, you know, the response? And, and it's just that way because God's timing is different. And, and hopefully as we mature, we, we learn to understand that God is at work behind the scenes, even though it doesn't appear like he's answering. But I think what we need to do is to develop a heart like David when he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He heard my cry, but he said, I waited patiently. We don't know how long, but he waited a long time, waited patiently. You ever cry before God wanting an answer? I, I remember when we started this church 27 years ago, uh, it was 1989, and we desperately needed property so that, you know, because we were renting and we needed property. And so it was six years before we were able to find properties. And in 1995, when we bought this property right here, 1995, so six years. And then, you know, I began praying, God, we need to build. We, we need to have our own home because we've been renting. And, and so guess how many years went by before we were able to finally build and move into this? Nine more years, nine, nine more years. That's a total of 15 years, 15 years of renting, 15 years of setting up stuff and storing stuff, 15 years to do that. But all the while, I think God was teaching us patience. You know what else I think he was teaching us? That he doesn't work on Pacific Standard Time, okay? In fact, he doesn't work on our time at all. You know, he works in his time. And he was teaching us patience, and he was making us strong, and, and that's just the way he works. You've heard this before. You know, God is never early. He's never late, but he's always right on time. But you and I have to be patient. Here's the, here's the third reason, because I'm fallible. Another reason we need to learn to be patient is because we're fallible. We mess up. Turn to the person sitting next to you and, and uh, say, you know what? You mess up. You mess up. <laughs> And, and, and you know what? And, and that's just the way it is. I mean, I love what Pastor Scott said, you know, during the worship time. He says, this is a place where you don't have to have it all figured out before you come here. Okay? We tell people there's no pre-wash needed. Okay? You don't have to get all cleaned up and be perfect before you come here. Sometimes people are talking about, you know, I'd never go down to church. Or I wouldn't go to your church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. You know? And I said, well, my gosh, what do you think the church is for. You know, it's for hypocrites. That's like saying I wouldn't go to a gym because there's a bunch of fat people there. <laughs> you know? And, and, and so it's crazy to say, oh, I'd never go to a church because there's a bunch of hypocrites. Well, you know, you're probably the biggest one, you know? All of us are hypocrites. And it's because the, hospital, the church isn't a, a, a museum for perfect people. It's a hospital for sick people, for broken people. And so what I'm saying is, the reason I need to be patient, I need to be patient with me. Some of you are about ready to give up on yourself. You really are. I mean, you're ready to give up on yourself. And, and you've come to a place where you don't even like you anymore because you can't seem to get your act together. You can't seem to figure it out. And you, and you can't seem to, to, you know, to live up to your own standards and your own values. And you think, what's the use? And so you say, I'm just going to chuck the whole thing. And, and you don't even like you anymore. And guess what? If you don't like you, it's going to be tough for other people to like you. It's going to be tough for you to have healthy relationships because a part of healthy relationships is just is owning your own brokenness and the fact that you messed up. You know, I love what uh, Henry Cloud said. He says that everybody's normal until you get to know them. Okay? 
You know, you all probably think I'm normal. You know, just get to know me. And you'll find out, you know, he's as quirky as everybody. You know, he has his, his mess ups like everybody. And so you're fallible. So be patient with yourself. Now, don't use that as an excuse to not grow. Don't use it as an excuse to, to say, well, you know, well, you know, I'm just a human being. Well, you know, everybody does it. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about don't give up on yourself. But in the process of not giving up on yourself, be, be consistent and, and be, have, a, have a great desire to want to grow and become more like Christ. But when you do slip, don't give up on yourself, okay? That's what I'm talking about. In Philippians 3, Paul says, I don't mean to say that I'm perfect. I haven't learned all that I should even yet, but I keep working forward. I love this. I keep working forward. I keep working forward. Everybody say, I keep working forward. I keep working forward. I keep working, not forward, toward. If I could read, be patient with me. I keep, I keep working toward. Everybody say, I keep working toward. I keep working toward. I keep working toward. I keep working toward. I keep working toward moving forward, okay? Because I know I'm not everything I need to be yet, but he says, that day when I, when I will be finally, finally all that Christ saved me to be and, and what he wants me to be, just don't give up on yourself. Be patient with yourself. Number four, because people are often impossible. People are impossible. How many of you know that people are impossible? Yeah, they are, right? I mean, you work with people who are impossible. You live with people who are impossible. You're impossible. Okay, look in the mirror when you go home. You're impossible but I'm patient with you, but I'm patient with you, okay? But we are, we're impossible. I love that phrase, to dwell above with those we love, that would be glory, but to live below with those we know, that's another story, okay? And so we got all these people in our life, and life would be great if it wasn't for people. I oftentimes think that, you know, being a pastor, it would be fantastic. It'd be awesome if it wasn't for people. Now, obviously, I don't mean you people, okay? I'm talking about the first service people and the third service people. You people are amazing, okay? You're the best, okay? But life would be great if it wasn't for, for people. It wasn't for people. You guys have heard of the serenity prayer? Have you ever heard the senility prayer? The senility prayer it goes like this. The senility prayer says, God, grant me the senility to forget the people I never liked anyway. And the good fortune to run into the ones I do like. And the eyesight to tell the difference, <laughs> okay, <laughs> to know the difference, okay. And so our natural inclination is just, you know, to, to be impatient with people. And one of the reasons we are is because we're so different from one another. But, but he says to, to be patient, in Ephesians 4, verse 2, be humble and be gentle and be patient. Everybody say patient. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other because of your love. You know, the reason relationships are difficult is because we're different from one another. We are. We're just different in so many ways. I mean, how many of you married somebody who's different than you are? Raise your hand if you married somebody who's different. Yeah, like a lot of you did. Okay, my wife and I are so different. You know, she's kind of a high D driver type personality, results oriented type person. I'm so laid back and easygoing and, you know, just calm and easy. You know, she runs fast and runs fast, and I'm, I'm just like, eh, whatever, you know. 
And so we're, we're different from one another. I mean, how many of you are like outgoing type people? Raise your hand. Yeah, outgoing. How many of you are more reserved and quiet? Okay, like split. How many of you run at a fast pace? Okay, you're like a race car. You know, you're like a race car. And, and some of you are more like a, you know, and for you to get excited, it goes, and that's, that's your level of excitement, okay? And so you're so different from each other, okay? How many of you are like, are like more people-oriented? You know, you love being around people. You love, you're more people-oriented. How many of you are more task-oriented? Okay, you don't really care to be around people at all. And you see, what happens is, uh, because we're different, then, then we can tend to lose patience because we misunderstand each other. So for those of you who run at a fast pace and you're drive, driver-type personalities, you know, your motto is, you know, lead, follow, or get out of my way. Okay, that's, that's kind of who you are. You know, you're run over people. Okay, those of you who are more, you know, uh, people oriented and all of that, uh, you're the life of the party kind of people. You know, you're all of life is a party. I mean, you don't have to go to a party. You are the party. You know, the party doesn't start till you show up. Okay, yeah, your motto is, you know, uh, keep it simple and make it fun. Okay, that's that's kind of who some of you are. Some of you are. Some of you, you know, you're more quiet and reserved and and easygoing. and, And your motto in life is, you know, why can't we just all get along? Why can't we just all get along with each other? That's kind of who I am. I'm a, why can't we all just get along kind of people? I hate conflict, hate it with a passion. And then some of you are more calculating, cautious kinds of people. And, uh, and, and your, your motto is, you know, hasn't anybody around here ever heard of standing, standard operating procedures? You know, and, 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 you, and, and all that. And so we, we're different from each other, and these differences cause us to misunderstand one another. And so that, that's why relationships can be tough. And that's why we need patience. So, so here's the question, the last question. How can I be more patient? How can I just become a more patient person with the people in my life? Because, again, this is a command. God is not suggesting that we be patient. In 1 Thessalonians, again, Paul says, be patient with everyone. He doesn't say be patient with the people you like. Don't be patient with the people who are like you. But be patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone. So how do you do that? Let, let me suggest some things that I'm, I'm trying to do. This is just in my life as a thought about it. Here's number one. I, I need to acknowledge how patient God is with me. I do. I need to acknowledge. If I am a patient person, it's, it's only because I think I've come to believe that I am because I know that God is so patient with me. He has to be patient with me because I, I mess up. I mess up, and and I need for God to be so patient with me. And so whenever I'm tempted to be impatient with someone, I I just try to remind myself that God is is very patient with me. Uh, The fact is, you and I will never have to be more patient with the people in our life more than God has been patient with you. You, you'll never have to be more patient with some person in your life more than God's been patient with you. In 1 Timothy he, he says, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience. That was Paul. And he recognized, he just recognized so much how God had been patient with him in the course of his life. And he did that so that Paul in turn could demonstrate that kind of, of love to, to people. He had to come a long way to get there. Number two is make allowances for others. 
just make allowances for other people. Do, do people have to make allowances for you? Sure they do. Sure they do. All the time. You may not realize it, but people have to make allowances for you. And again, in Ephesians 4 too, be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. I'm so grateful that my, my wife makes allowances for my faults. And, and I'm sure she's grateful that I make allowances for her faults because the reality is we're human beings. And we do. We have to make allowances for one another. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries in life. And it doesn't mean that sometimes you don't have to draw lines in life. But whenever you do do that, it's always, it always comes from a heart because I, I really love you and I want you to be the best you can be. It's, and it's never because, you know what, I'm, I'm fed up with you and I've had it with you and I've given up on you. Because once you've crossed that line, what you have said, I've stopped loving you. I've stopped loving you. And so I'm not talking about having boundaries because you don't love a person anymore. I'm talking about having boundaries because you do love that person and, and you're trying to find the best way to help them become a better person. And we'll talk about that more as we get into this, into this series. And, and so we need patience with other people because God's so patient with us. And, and, and in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, he says, and we pray this in order that that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way so that you may have great endurance and patience. So that you could have great endurance and patience. And, and so here's number three. Accept that the testing of my patience, it's a part of life. It, just accept the fact that the testing of your patience, it's a part of life. You're not going to find any way around it. The thing about patience, it's, it's, um, in order for you to become patient, you have to practice it. And the only way you can practice patience is to be under pressure. Or else you're not going to get good at it. And, and so when, you, when things come along in life, whether it's somebody that you want to honk the horn at, or your computer you know, crashes, or, or whatever it happens to be, rather than looking at that as, as an enemy, look at it as a friend that is developing, or it's an opportunity to develop your patience. And here's an opportunity for me to practice being patient while I'm under pressure. Just be patient. Be patient. Be patient with God. Be patient with people. Be patient with yourself. It's a great quality to possess. Paul says, you know what love is? Love is patient. Love is patient. Love is patient. I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head and as you close your eyes, I just want to remind you that the Bible says that God is patient toward you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. He's patient toward you. I'm so glad that God has been patient toward me, that he displays every day his unlimited patience. Some of you have never come to faith in Jesus. Maybe you're watching online, maybe you're at home, and you've never crossed the line of faith. You've never come to faith in Jesus. And the, and the reason he leaves you here and the reason he even has you here and the reason he brings people into your life who invite you to church and, and who try to talk to you about Jesus and about spiritual things about God is because he's being patient with you because he loves you so much. And he wants you to come into a relationship with him through Jesus. That's why. And so today, if you've never come to faith in Jesus, I want to invite you to step across that line and to accept the amazing gift that he's given to you in Jesus. 
and I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. And I invite all of you who've ever made the decision to follow Jesus, if you also would pray with me this prayer. So would you join in? Father in heaven, today I'm so grateful for your patience. I recognize that you've been so patient with me. And I thank you for it. Help me every day to live for you and to show patience to the people in my life the way you have showed patience to me. Today, I invite you, Jesus, to be my Savior and Lord. And I choose to follow you. And I pray this in your name. Amen.